again, friends. It's Misty. Thanks so much for listening in to this episode of Marketing Sweats. It's actually our final episode of season five, and it's crazy. I've had such a good time interviewing and meeting so many new folks. Today, I'm thrilled to have one of my industry idols here with me, Mr. Brent Hodgins. Brent is an international keynote speaker, author, and he's actually the managing director of an organization called Mirin that specializes in training to help agencies like us bring more rigor to their business development process, create a more proactive prospecting approach, or even grow their existing business through organic development. These are things that Brent has taught me through the years. We have attended his conferences for a very long time, and I think these principles are things that we can all benefit from as marketers. So during our chat, he's going to share his insight on a variety of topics, including everything from the changes we've seen in the industry these past two years to facing systemic racism and the changes we can all make within our organizations, the great resignation, and of course, trends he's seeing now on the horizon and what he's going to be doing next. So let's get to it and I'll see you on the other side. I am thrilled to have Brent Hodgins with Mirin here with us today. We have been trying to get this scheduled for a long time. And Brent, you don't know this, but you're one of my industry idols. So first of all, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. It's very kind of you to say, and flattery will get you everywhere. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. Thought that was a good place to start. So yeah, tell me a little bit about your backstory, both um, from a personal and professional perspective. I am so impressed with your list of agencies that you have worked for, so Talk a little bit about how you came up in the world. Yeah, the original plan was to get an MBA and go client side on the the marketing side of things. And first year college, I'd started a, a business and a small event experiential agency, and it was meant to pay for part of college tuition and make sure I don't have a mortgage at the end of it all. And it ended up taking off rather quickly. And I had to make a choice, school or that. And I ended up leaving college and running with that. And then sold that a few years later and ended up moving over into the agency world as there was an agency that had become a client of mine. And I'd become hooked on this notion of brand building and the role that a brand plays in building a client's business and creating those emotional connections and finding deep consumer insight that can be leveraged through marketing and started at uh, Leo Burnett and kind of worked my way up through account management uh, over the years, TBWA, Wyden and Kennedy. Most of my career is account management, Johnson & Johnson, Kellogg's, McDonald's, some tech accounts, a number of dot-com accounts going back to the uh, the dot-com bubble. At TBWA, I really made the transition into digital. I was one of the first at the agency to dig in fairly deeply with that and launched the digital team in New York, built up that practice, and then went to Widening Kennedy. And my role there was to run some accounts, but primarily actually rebuild the new business engine for the agency and spent a number of years working on that before realizing that my real love is teaching and training on agency-related topics and and launched Mirin to train on organic growth and agency strategy and new business and 
helping agencies grow by becoming stronger business partners with their clients. And you're so great at that role. And I have so many questions for you about Mirren, but let's back up a minute. What was it about you and your story? Like, where are you from? What were you like as a kid? Like, did you always have this entrepreneurial spirit to be able to go out and start your own business mid-college? There had to be something unique about you that was recognized early on. I think I, I always have had the entrepreneurial bug. I remember, you know, even as a young kid, organizing I think I was maybe 10 and I organized all the kids in the neighborhood for a <laughs> raspberry picking operation. Oh and there were raspberries growing wild throughout our neighborhood. And uh, I hired them to pick them while I sold them at the stand and uh, did that a few summers uh, in a row. And I also yeah. grew up on a, a dairy farm. Growing up at a farm, you learn work ethic. Sure. You learn that you are personally worth what you work for and what you mm. earn, not what is handed to you. Mm. And I really appreciate those values that I learned growing up rural, growing right. up on a farm. At the same time, I knew I didn't want to run a farm. <laughs> I wanted something a little different, something a little more urban. That kind of took me right into Vancouver to Toronto for a few years and then New York before coming to Seattle now. So I think that entrepreneurial bug's always, always been there. Yeah. Well, I totally see that in you. So tell me a little bit about the transition to decide. So I imagine you started Mirren, right? Like what was the seed of the idea? And then how did you know that you wanted to just like spend your career working with agencies? Before I went to Wyden and Kennedy, I interviewed at a number of agencies, primarily in New York, a number of the larger agencies and ended up interviewing for the role of new business. And I realized that I sort of had this moment where I thought it was only the agencies I had worked at that were uniquely dysfunctional with new business. <laughs> and I, I had this moment where it was sort of like, oh my God, everybody's Everybody. dysfunctional with new exactly. business. It, it's chaos yes. at best. It's reinventing the wheel, run our accounts so well, but when it comes time to running a pitch, it's just a bit of a, a mess. So having a love for growing agencies, for new business, for pitching business, but also there's kind of a left brain side to me, a pragmatic side that appreciates operational rigor. Mm. So my plan was to go into Wyden and Kennedy, not only help build a new business machine, but think of it as a prototype. So not just build it, but think about how it's being built, codify how it's being built to see if there were lessons principles that could be applied to all agencies. And it, as it turns out, there absolutely are. So coming out of Widening Kennedy, the, it was then to start Mirror. And I actually started it with a good friend. He's actually now a publicist sapient, quite senior. We're still best friends to this good. day. I've fully taken over with the team in running Mirren, but sort of realizing that there's a need out there to get buttoned down. And even with organic growth, kind of the same thing. There's often a lot of talk about organic growth at agencies, but not a lot of consistent implementation. And then of course, right. the fear that account people have of being made to feel like a salesperson is always a bit of a barrier on the organic growth side as well. Absolutely. 
talk a little bit about how the organization has evolved. It feels to me, and correct me if I'm wrong, that you're very much still like in the work. Talk a little bit about how your role has changed, how your team has changed, and sort of how the mission of the organization has evolved since your early days of focusing primarily and pretty solely on new biz. Yeah. So we definitely started with a core focus on helping to train agency teams how to orchestrate an RFP, you know, competitive review more effectively to increase their win rate, to bring more rigor, more strategic discipline, bring some contrarian methods and approaches. If you sort of follow the same ways that all agencies typically practice, you're not really going to break through in the pitch. Then we added proactive prospecting, helping agencies determine their optimal target list to proactively target, attack, and convert. And then probably seven or eight years ago, we added organic growth and realizing that organic growth is actually the most profitable form of growth for an agency. You have a relationship, the door is open, you have a base understanding of the client's business. It's far easier to develop business building ideas that existing clients will want to be than all the resources that are required for an RFP, which is often dysfunctionally run by the client anyways. And what a lot of agencies don't consider is the opportunity cost of RFPs. How much revenue do you have to generate to offset the profit to pay for the cost of that RFP that you just were in and and maybe didn't win? So organic growth, even proactive prospecting is much more profitable growth for an agency. In in an ideal world, you want a balanced pipeline anyways. You want a mix of the right RFPs, proactive prospecting, organic growth. So that's where we've really evolved is helping agencies build a more balanced pipeline in terms of business coming into the agency, be it through existing accounts, be it through pitching new accounts. We also do a lot of training on deck writing and presentation skills. We have a slightly different approach. We pull on principles from storytelling to make decks more dynamic, more engaging, to make those who are presenting those decks more dynamic, more engaging, have a better command of the room. There's plots, there's rhythm. There's also principles for management consulting firms. They're exceptionally effective at crafting business-focused, hard-hitting, clear storylines. They're really skilled at creating powerful, persuasive decks. So we do spend a fair amount of time over there as well. Overall, I would say where we do most of our training, though, is organic growth. As I think agencies, agency management is realizing they need to upskill their teams. Client expectations have spiked. They're looking for deeper insight, deeper strategy, more impact on tighter timelines. And there's a fear client side that agencies aren't quite keeping up. And I think agency management is sort of realizing we need to be upskilling our client-facing teams, given, you know, in particular, all the change that's taken place over the last few years. Well, I love that you do help agency managers like myself. My business partners and I have come to your CEO conference in Chicago for many years now. You know, I don't just think of you guys as a training organization. I really feel like you help consult with agencies, make us better, talk about our operating model. I mean, 
in the past few years, you've been talking about, you know, differentiation and pricing and positioning. So that's a big part of your sort of training stack too, right? It is. And we sort of bake that into our training around pitching business or organic growth. It's a part of an existing program with the end goal of positioning to create growth. Well, that's awesome. There's so many questions in our minds right now as agency owners about what growth is going to look like. I know for us, we've been very lucky to have, you know, 25 to 30% growth year over year. So for some agencies, business was great, right? But I'm also hearing those numbers are going to slow down pretty substantially. We're certainly seeing the early signs of a recession. It really depends on what categories your clients are in, obviously. If you're in a category that's also suffering from supply chain issues, you're probably going to have some issues for a little while longer. But there's other categories that are a little bit more recession resistant, I guess you could say, certainly areas of healthcare being one. So I think it depends there, but certainly the signs are there. It was Adweek or AdAge just a few weeks ago that the first sort of rounds of layoffs have started in the industry. They weren't massive numbers, but they were the first numbers of that nature that we've seen in a very long time. I think it's really going to be category dependent. There's a sense that there likely is a recession coming, but it won't be a deep one and it won't be a long one. Now, who knows for sure, but right. that's what my gut kind of tells me is that there will be more of a slowdown, but it won't be super deep, won't be super big. And hopefully we can get inflation under control soon. Sure. Well, that all validates what I'm hearing as well. And it's good to know as a B2B agency that also focuses on healthcare, we try to be diverse enough to where maybe it can balance each other yes. out. So we'll see how that goes. Yeah. a little bit more too. One of the points you made that we all struggled with as agency leaders over the past year was after the events surrounding George Floyd, we all sort of like sort of came to our senses, I think, around the systemic racism that we have been dealing with. And it became very front and center for us at Symantle. We have learned so much. We have made so many strides in the past two years. And I'm so impressed with the DEI committee, you know, that we've established at the agency and all the good work we've been doing. But I noticed that you made it a very intentional point to bring this to the forefront at the Kansas City Conference, even so much as, you know, the diversity of your speakers and your panels. So talk about how you've shined a light on this at Mirren, but then also how you're advising agencies in that space. Yeah, I mean, it's not an easy topic, certainly. But I remember after the George Floyd incident happened back in 2020, there were a few people that called us out our speaking roster. And we looked at right. it and said, oh, my God we got to get this fixed. And we did. We moved very quickly and realized that, you know, Mirren Live, our conferences, they are a medium. They're a public forum. We're in the public eye and we mm -hmm. need to actively engage and play a role in this systemic challenge, this systemic issue. And it hasn't been easy, but we've made tremendous progress at the same time, I think the industry, the agency industry, still is struggling with it. I think a lot of agencies have hired a person of color as a diversity director, but are still not quite cracking the plan, the approach, 
what do we need to do? How do we need to do it? The existing diverse talent pool is not large relative to the rest of the talent pool. So it's a real challenge. I don't think there's any easy answers, except obviously step one is to get out of denial. Um, And step two, start making the plan and taking steps forward. I think we have a long ways to go. And I'm really excited to see what's ahead with all of this. I am too. I have to tell you, like I said, we established a committee, we did our audit, we got our numbers. And what has been amazing for me to see is just how invested this group of people are to help grow our agency. They're so knowledgeable. They're making change in the moment. And we kind of like you backed up and we had a consultant come in and say, look, if you don't solve for this at a very like cultural level, right? Everyone in your staff has to understand what you stand for and what you stand against on this issue. And if you don't know those as well as you know, those values that you have written on your wall, you're not going to change from the inside out. So that was kind of our method. And sounds like you guys had those tough conversations too. Yeah. Yeah, we did. And both internally and then both externally in our public facing side of Mirren, you know, and I remember started to create panels and sessions addressing actually DE&I as well. That was a subject matter we had never addressed before that we right. brought to Mirren Live. I remember some skeptical speakers that we were connecting with in terms of speakers of color saying, are you just doing this so that you can have us, our photo on your agenda page? And they forced us to be clear And they tested our authenticity and how genuinely we wanted to bring about some of this change. So, yeah. Well, thank you for your transparency on the issue because it's not easy to talk about, but it's important and it's a focus for all of us in the industry. So, Well, I think the biggest fear too is making a misstep. It's saying something publicly that is interpreted in a way that you didn't mean it even language, you know, we're learning about that and what to say when you screw up because you're going to, you know, so it's just become a lot easier to talk about. Not there yet, but at least now it doesn't feel sort of scary, right, to lean into those conversations. Well, speaking of talent, that was another important topic you hit on that I wanted to ask about. I think we all as marketers and agency leaders recognized the rate of resignations, right? Picking up during COVID, people were reevaluating their life. You threw out a stat that said in January, 4.3 million people quit their jobs, which is just crazy. I don't know, Brent, from our standpoint, we felt that blip and then it has started to slow down. Talk to us a little bit about whether that sort of rate of resignation, that retaining talent issue is going to continue to be at the forefront or are you starting to see other things rise up in its place? Well, I think when you look at the one of the core reasons for the talent turnover, there were signs there that were building before COVID, before remote work in terms of people ultimately wanting to have meaning and purpose in their work. And I remember in my early years growing up in the business in New York, there was this notion, you're lucky to have a job. You're lucky to leave at nine o'clock at night. You're lucky if I didn't yell at you today. And, you know, as an AE, I sort of had this mindset. You just roll up your sleeves, you grin and bear it, and eventually you'll work your way up and you'll get to do the yelling. And this younger generations, thankfully so, 
have been coming along with this notion of what is the purpose of work? It's not just about generating an income. There can be much more to it. The challenge in that, you know, as a business owner or as a manager, everyone's definition of purpose and meaning is a little bit different. And you still have to bring all these individuals together to orchestrate their roles in a way that ultimately builds a profitable business. So the complexity of the puzzle of the Rubik's Cube of building, running, maintaining a business has become exceptionally more complicated by this notion of this other layer of making sure each person in their unique way is fulfilled in their role. I think, you know, obviously with everyone spending so much time working remotely, it's complicated it even further. It's tougher to build culture, loyalty. People just aren't as connected as they were when they were all in in the office together before. But one of the silver linings in all of this is that I think a lot of agencies realized as they were replacing some of their talent, there's that old adage, you know, sometimes uh, the people that got you to where you are today are not the people you need to get you to where you need to go tomorrow. And I think there's been some interesting talent upgrading that's been happening in the new hires that have been coming in. Agencies maybe weren't so upset about some of that talent that was leaving and were able to replace it with a better fit for the future direction of the agency. And I think what's going to be really interesting over the next few months is if a recession hits, is this swinging pendulum where it's, you know, the talent has so much power, so much control, is the pendulum going to start swinging in the other direction again as talent realizes that they do need to be loyal work exceptionally hard. And I'm not saying people aren't now, but sometimes the sense of loyalty isn't quite as strong as it once was a few years ago. Is it possible now that they actually are replaceable and they might not be able to find something right away? I don't think the pendulum is going to swing all the way in that direction, but it'll be interesting. And I have heard just the beginnings, the early stages of a few stories from CEOs mentioning people backing off a little bit on their demands compared to two or three months ago, especially as some of the headlines break with layoffs in the industry. So it's an interesting time, but I think the more we can find ways to bring purpose and meaning. And and one other area where I think talent has sort of felt they've needed to leave from an agency perspective, it's some of the bad clients that have been allowed to (laughs) create bad relationships. And the agency takes sort of this subservient position. Yes, ma'am, whatever you want, ma'am. Yeah, we'll do that 10 o'clock tonight, four o'clock tomorrow, whatever you need, we're on it. Don't worry about it. And oh, don't worry that you didn't say thank you or you don't appreciate any of it. And I think people have hit a place where I don't want to work at an agency where I'm on a crap account where the client doesn't appreciate the work and, and management doesn't have any empathy for what I'm really going through with this account. So we've also seen agencies prioritizing, even firing some of their bad, more dysfunctional accounts, which also tend to be the ones that are less profitable. 
if they don't treat you well, usually that's symptomatic of an account, a client that doesn't value what an agency provides. And that's just leading to a whole host of issues for the agency. You're speaking to a lot of what we have dealt with over the past couple of years. You know, we really had to take a stand on that, right? Putting our employees first and foremost has to be the business strategy and the rest should take care of itself. So we've had some of those client situations. We focused on that intersection of personal and professional development and hopefully created the kind of culture that even if people leave, they're coming back. We're having a boomerang effect, which is awesome. I do want to ask, though, a little bit different angle on that question, knowing that the whole M&A world is blowing up in the agency world right now, because a lot of us can't keep up with the rate of need to hire because of the growth. And then we have people walking out the back door, right? How do you help advise agencies when to stay the course, continue the onesie twosie hiring get people in seats versus, you know, make a much bigger decision to grow and maybe buy something up or collaborate with another agency just because the talent need is so big. Yeah, that's an area we don't get into too much. We tend to stick to where we are most informed. However, what I always come back to, what are the objectives of the organization? And if the objectives are growth, if the objectives are growth with an eventual exit plan, then sometimes buying revenue can be considered more valuable revenue and sometimes buying talent. We've certainly seen quite a number of acquisitions where it was just for the talent. So buying that talent can also be a bit of a jump start to more quickly fulfill some of those needs. Well, we don't often provide advice there, I think there's opportunity, be it on the buying end or the receiving end from an M&A perspective. It's certainly, if orchestrated well, particularly the integration of the two organizations, buying revenue is considered valuable revenue, certainly. Speaking to if there's an eventual exit kind of plan in the making. Yeah. Well, I know you've had some sessions on that at our CEO conference, but that's really interesting way to think about it, buying revenue versus buying talent. So very helpful. All right. So at the end of my discussions, I always get to focus a little bit on you as a leader and some of your leader principles. And one of the things that you said at the conference that I thought was super helpful for me is just this idea that as we're having so much change in industry and new staff members that people are looking to the leader, right? Or the founder, if that's the case of an agency to sort of like reset that vision and have that spark. I'll be honest, I have always been the new and shiny person. I love having a goal out there. And yet coming out of COVID after all of us are so drained, right? From all the things we just covered, it's been hard to find that. So is that a common trend in what you're seeing? And and speak a little bit to the advice you're giving agency leaders right now. Absolutely. It's a common story. It's kind of like Agency management, particularly those really leading the agency, had to really dig deep for the last couple of years and dig deep on behalf of the organization, on behalf of every person in the organization. I can relate to this as well. And there's kind of an exhaustion point and an exhaustion that hasn't fully left yet. I think part of it is we need to come together. We are social beings. And we've been so isolated on top of this that we haven't been getting the fuel 
that we normally get just from being around people. And I noticed this with Mirren Live back in May. Oh my God, it was incredible to be around 300 people. You could see the smiles and the hugs and, oh, how are you? I haven't seen you in three years. How's it going? And the high fives and so good to see you again. It's just this incredible energy. And remember why we're in the business, right? I mean, and I'll give you a compliment because every Mirren conference I go to, and I, and I took two new coworkers with me who had never been to one and you feel it. It's so palpable when you walk into a room of agency people, which is I'm sure one of the reasons you love doing what you do. So thank you for that. Keep doing it. Keep inspiring us. I do want to know from you though, when you look out at your training curriculum over the next 12 to 18 months, you always pull on these threads or these themes of what's changing in industry. I wrote down just a few that have been top of mind for me, things like presenting virtually, right? I have a pitch coming up next month where I'm nervous about it, trying to decide whether we should go in person or because they're going to have stakeholders all over the country. The evolving role of sales and account management continues to be top of mind for me that kind of dovetails with new business. Our own agency brand and positioning strategy, knowing that we're a middle market firm. So I know that's a lot of ground, Brent, but like, what are some things that are coming down the line? And are those themes that I just mentioned still important? Oh, absolutely. And in fact, we're just a few weeks away from launching a new training series that will be delivered in a group format remotely. It's kind of a, a version of our past workshop series that we used to do around the country. We're going to do it remotely now. And it's focused on upskilling account management teams. It's mm. focused on the new elevated role of account management. You know, I mentioned before, client expectations of agencies have spiked strategically, right. the type of business impact that they create, the ability to keep things well buttoned down and well organized for the client. It's likely going to be a six session series. We're just finalizing the exact topics right now. It's going to take place over three weeks, late October, early November, and we're going to be addressing topics like client business analysis, how to better understand and address each client's most pressing business objectives. We're going to address strategy, how to write better, more effective strategic briefs, how to mm. achieve better alignment with your client's even at the outset of a project, to minimize scope creep. So we're addressing these new skills that account managers, really client-facing teams in general, need to have. That's so good to hear. And I think if you approach that through the lens of, like you mentioned earlier, the consultancies, right? Yeah. That's the level of expectation. my last few questions for you are just, like I said, you as a leader. So are there any core beliefs or secrets of success that you have found throughout your career that really guide you and serve as your compass? It's a good question. I would say I take a lot of pride in being a contrarian and finding my entire career. I don't think I realized it for the first 10 or 15 years, but I've always looked to find my specialization. What are the unique skills that I have or can develop that will separate me from the pack? And then really as spending time in account management, really thinking about how 
there's so much untapped opportunity for growth for the agency if we can develop more business building ideas for our clients, not necessarily keep trying to sell our capabilities on them, but instead understand their business. What are their growth goals? How can we help them with their growth goals and then charge a handsome fee for it? And then, of course, new business. As soon as I started getting, as an account person, starting to get pulled into new business, I was bit by the bug. (laughs) So wanting to perfect how we approach new business, looking for ways to break the rules of the pitch, to be a contrarian in the pitch process, something that we see often, the winning agency did something in the pitch they weren't supposed to do. They broke Mm. a rule. They were strategic about it. They were methodical. They did it in a way that delighted the client, that excited the client. So I think being a contrarian, finding a specialization, finding a way to uniquely add value is always something that I've I've strived for. Well, you wouldn't be an agency guy if you didn't want that. And I, I totally love how you called it bit by the bug of new business because you got to be right to stay in that space. We'll get back to the rest of the interview in just a minute. But first, I want to tell you about our sponsor, Symantle. I happen to know a thing or two about them because, well, I'm one of the owners. We are an industrial consumer marketing firm with an obsessive focus on customer experience. We create killer campaigns, but we also help organizations create programs that align back to their business strategies. Most importantly, we have a lot of fun and love what we do. And this year marks 40-ish years of doing it. Unfortunately, there's not enough time to explain the ish on this promo. But if you know us, you'll know it makes perfect sense. And if you don't, please reach out. We'd love to talk. Or you can head to samantle.com slash blog to learn more about us with articles, tips and tricks, do-it-yourself tools, and much more to help you keep learning and growing right alongside us. Well, my last question for you is, and it's the same question I ask every guest, what is one issue or question that you're struggling with right now that you would like to pose to others? What are you trying to learn? Good question. Something I'm really focused on right now is really locking down, crystallizing that senior management team. Succession planning might be overstating it a little bit but really Mm -hmm. crystallizing that layer right underneath me to remove Mm -hmm. me from the day-to-day operations. Now, I will always do some training. I love teaching. I love training, but I'll do a little bit less of it and be a little bit less involved in the the day-to-day operations. That's a key focus. We've been lucky We've been able to hang on to most of our people. We've only lost one or two over the last two or three years. But there's always that fear, especially with remote. You don't know when it's coming. So getting that senior team fully in place, fully trained, and kind of locked down is a key focus for me now. No, it's an important question, not just for agencies, but even clients. Yesterday I had a board meeting and there's clients struggling to think that through and so that they can be the face, but still have the organization run. So it's something we're all struggling with, but I have to, again, compliment you, Brent. You are a face of the industry. You are so well known. And I'm really honored that you took an hour out of your life to come chat with us. It means a lot to me. Thanks for having me. I love this. I can talk about the agency business for hours, but I just love being a part of it. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Good to talk to you. We'll talk soon. 
Well, Brent really has his finger on the pulse of everything happening in the agency world, and he really has become very much a face of the industry, and I could talk to him all day. He has such a passion for this business. I love how he uses his organization and his training skills to go above and beyond, not just training, but consulting with agency managers to make us better and stronger, not only for us, but for the benefit of our clients and employees as well. So if you haven't ever caught Brent at a conference, I highly encourage you to check him out. Thanks so much for listening. That's a wrap for season five of Marketing Sweats. Check out all the episodes of the podcast at our website, marketingsweats.com, or find us wherever you listen to podcasts and subscribe. Keep up the good work, friends. We'll chat again soon.